Well, welcome back to the uh, Arizona Craft Beer Awards and Festival Beer Review uh, presented by Phoenix Magazine. I'm Matt, and we're here with Johan. And Johan, I got to admit, I haven't been to this place before, Grand Avenue Brewing. I'm a little ashamed because it is a, a really a, a work of art, and they do great beer here. Yeah, no, it's super cool. I hadn't I hadn't been here either, and the, the space is really cool. The patio is really cool. We're here with John and Matt. Uh, who are owner, brewer, owners, brewers, partners, partners yeah. love that. And uh, we've already tasted some of the beers and they're all fantastic. So we're super excited to be here to talk to you guys. Or You're going to be at the beer festival uh, in October, which we're very excited about as well. And uh, yeah, give us a little intro. What do you guys, where, where, where did you, where did this brewery start come from? How long have you been here? Give us a little little taste. Yeah, I, I'm John Call. Um, I bought this. It started. I bought this building about 17 years ago, and that was uh, about the time I I started home brewing. And uh, this building was kind of a basket case back then, and I was home brewing in the back, and uh, you know I had some cars I was working on, and I was making five gallon batches of beer. And then I thought, well, if I can make five gallons, then I can surely make ten gallons. And then it started, the building started saying microbrewery to me, and I bought a 30-gallon system, and everything tasted just as good on the 30-gallon system. And uh, at the time, I, was, I met Matt and uh, was helping him uh, on occasion brew at the, the brewery he was working at. Matt's a professional brewer, and we developed a friendship. And uh, he came and tried my homebrew, and he said, wow, this is really good homebrew. And uh, he talked me into, we needed to do a seven barrel system. It's just not humane trying to brew uh, one barrel at a time. Yeah. So I slowly started buying uh, pieces to the seven barrel system. So it was just a one piece at a time endeavor and fix one more thing, fix one more thing. And here, um, you know, 17 years later, uh, we're three years in on it. We've been here for three years. I love that. Yeah. I love that. What about Matt? What about your yeah. background? So my yeah, my perspective like uh, like he's a lawyer. I'm an architect, so it kind of like follows the trend of most breweries brewers starting up as some other, you know, high end profession. Um, but I've always been I'm a I'm a, actually a native Phoenician, one of the few. But uh, I'd always been attracted to more of the craft beer or even the Irish pubs or whatever before craft beer, and. As some of the first places started opening up in the late 80s, early 90s, I would just gravitate to those places, you know, having some beers, even if it was just Guinness or whatever. But then, you know, McFarland's and uh, Rio Salado and Four Peaks and, and everyone else started firing up. So kind of gravitated to those places and, uh, you know, still kind of doing my trade in the design field, but kind of sitting there happy hour Four Peaks going, you know, it would be really a lot more cool to uh, start a brewery than, you know, just drink at one. So yeah, maybe that was mid 2000s. So then like I kind of did it backwards instead of homebrewing as a hobby and then going professional, like I, I want to go professional. So maybe I should learn how to make beer and then start homebrewing from there. Um, so got the kit, start out five gallons, 10 gallons, blah, blah, blah. Um, did that for two or three years, went through brewing school. And then it's like, all right, well, start writing a business plan. And then things happen, you know, where else you, you get an opportunity to brew. Um, 
you know, fire up, start struggling around, firing up a brewery. Um, and then, you know, going at it, kind of learning on a job, so to speak. Uh, back then, that's kind of where John and I intersected because he'd come by my brewery and go, hey, uh, I'm thinking about starting a brewery, you know? So then actually the, the duty of a, of a professional brewer is to talk home brewers out of starting breweries because <laughs> what you try at, to do by at, at the yeah. time they don't know what the heck they're getting into. <laughs> you really don't know what but you're getting into. He, you know, I'd bring them along to festivals and events and this and that and show them the ropes and help, you know, have them help me brew and kind of see all the slogging out grain out of the tanks and everything else. And he's very persistent. So, you know, eventually, all right, well, this sounds like a good idea. And then, you know, once, once I came down here as a former architect and checked out this building, I was like, all right, I'm sold. This is, this is going to be awesome. So maybe that's like 2012, 13. And then we started again, like, as John said, piece by piece, kind of getting it together and, and working on it. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's kind awesome. of funny, like in talking to Matt, I was lamenting to him about, you know, why I was looking for a second career apart from law. And, and I told him, well, it's because it's very abstract. And many times you have to explain the result. It's so abstract. And, and with beer, you know, you're going to make something, it's, it's fizzy and it's, it's carbonated. It gives you this euphoric feeling and, and it's, it's sort of a meritocracy. Either it tastes good or it doesn't taste good. It's tangible. And Matt said, well, you know, that's exactly why I got into it because it wasn't tangible. I go, what do you mean? You're, you know, you're designing buildings. He's like, no, it would just be on paper and I'd never see the project done. You know, and then lo and behold, man will be, and I'll be driving around somewhere and I'd be like, Hey, I designed that section of the freeway, all that landscaping and all that, you know? And so, you know, 15 years later, he sees the fruits of his earlier labor, but we both kind of got into it for the same reason. And it, it turns out our, our previous careers are good skills to have in connection with running a brewery. And, yeah. Like, and, for example, he took lettering. I don't know if you can see that on camera, but... It's probably the perfect. nicest chalkboard in the valley. Perfect chalk. Yeah. His skill what, stack yeah. is fantastic. One, one of the perks of being old enough to uh, learn drafting before computers. Yeah, that's amazing that that's all handwritten. <laughs> Engineers always have the best handwriting, right? I mean, that's... The, there's. You're you're taught to try to do that no. for a reason, so somebody doesn't confuse a five with a two on when they're cutting something, right? But yeah, I mean, I, I told John a while back, he's like, yeah, both our former careers, like you do something for a long time, like maybe some people are happy with your work, some people hate your work. You're brewing beer. At the end of the day, you've made a beer. Generally, that's going to make people happy. So yeah, you, yeah. You, know, you don't have the backlash. You know, it so. kind of sounded like as you're with your background in architecture, maybe you were drawn to this area, right? Because it, it is a historic area of Phoenix. It's uh, the arts area now. Um, we, we're uh, we're off of Grand Avenue, just west, about Pierce and Twelfth uh, Street or Twelfth Avenue, and this this building has been here since what, John? The forties? So, yeah. It, it was built in 47 and sure. uh, I, I, it has an interesting history. It was originally a sheet metal shop. And then after that, after about eight years, it was the Mighty Midget Syrup Company. And then at some juncture in the 70s, that name became uh, politically correct, incorrect. And they were. I wonder why. What, were, what, what, was, were, what was bad? Syrup? <laughs> <laughs> but they became a premier beverage. And then after that, there's a picture on the wall over there. Pretty cool. It was a used tire shop. Okay. And the guy gave me that picture and he, he would buy big truckloads of tires. And it's kind of a funny story. You go that first thing I do when I'd get the used tires would be I paint them black. <laughs> so they look new and he had a sticker 
And then he had a route where he'd go to all these uh, gas stations where they sold used tires. And he goes, and then one day, you know, uh, garages stopped fixing cars and they started selling big gulps and, and hot dogs and candy bars. And nobody sold used tires anymore. And the business just ended. But, wow. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, it was it had been an artist studio after that. And then I bought it. I love it. And uh, cool just, history. Just kept fixing it up. You yeah. guys have definitely talked a lot about the building and it's like I said before, it's super cool in here. It's a really cool space. And you also have your patio, which is really nice. You have kind of multiple outdoor areas around yeah. the whole front section we, of the building. Kind of three different patios. It's about yeah. 3000 square foot of patio space. I love that. Well, we're coming up on, on the yeah. time of year where the that's going to be really awesome. Sure. The patio weather. One of, one of our patios is uh, evap cooled. We have two fire pits. Uh, in the winter, you can get a s'mores kit and we give you a big fork and you go out and make s'mores. And Love that. Oh, uh, yeah. And you guys, I mean, speaking of food, you guys also do food here, yeah, right? Been, in, in we addition get to really the good marks on our food. We, yeah. we do a smoked baked potato. You can get uh, green chili or barbecue pork on that. Uh, you can get carne adovada on that. Uh, we also do a mac and cheese. And you can get those same toppings on the mac and cheese. As, oh. as a man with braces, I appreciate the mac and cheese offering yeah, where, wherever I go. And also the like a pretzel and beer together. So, can't beat that. Yeah. Uh, we've got a quite a good uh, little pub menu. You guys nice. do like a brunch too, right? Sundays, you can get an egg on anything. I love we do, that. We do a couple egg dishes on Sundays. I so it's we've, we've been getting really good marks on our food. That's awesome. Right well, 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 the thing, other thing yeah. that you're getting good marks on is your beer. I was going to say, don't so, put an egg on the beer, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, well, you could. So, <laughs> so let's let's talk. I, I already had it. I think you still have some there, Matt. But the uh, Happy Jack, you say it's, it's kind of your, your top seller, right? It's your cream ale? Yeah, it's one of our best sellers. Tell us about it. Uh, you know, it's it's. I came out here and I really couldn't find cream a good cream ale. I grew up in Pennsylvania. And uh, a buddy of mine sent me a recipe to homebrew cream ale, and I tried it. And we just kept playing around with the different ratios in it, uh, or I did. And uh, it, it it drinks, it, it's a style that's meant to drink like a, uh, a light lager. And so the history of that style, a lot of people think it's supposed to be creamy, but that's kind of a misnomer. Um, that style became popular around the turn of the century. A bunch of German immigrants came here started brewing lagers and that America at that time was mostly ale breweries. So they came up with this style to uh, mimic a light lager. So it's got 50% Pilsner malt in it. Uh, there's some flake corn and then it gets dosed with a lot of dextrose. And what that does is it lightens it up and gives it a nice clean finish on the end, makes it taste kind of like a lager, mm -hmm. but it's, it's bigger than a lager. It's not thin like a lager. It still has some ale qualities to it. Is it like a, like less carbonation type thing in this in this uh, beer? It's got it's got normal carbonation. Oh, okay. On it. Yeah. Uh, we we like it. it. It does quite well. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's I I've enjoyed it a lot. And you're right. It it's not like other cream ales that typically go for that really sort of silky creamy mouthfeel. It, drank a lot more like a lager drank more it was just like crisper but not quite as like light on the mouthfeel mm -hmm. as, as you would find in those light lagers and yeah. just more flavor too if if you research mm. the history to that beer it's really a lot of people make them sort of creamy but it's it's really supposed to have a little bit of a, a lager bite on the finish yeah it's yeah, not like supposed it. to be like a uh -huh. vanilla cream like yeah. you're drinking a, Correct, a, a yeah. ice cream and, right and they do tend to get 
lumped in with the uh, Kolsch's and Blondales and that sort of thing, which are more light bodied, lighter, less alcohol kind of things. But the cream ale is kind of like, I guess the, the higher end of that, the, that trio. You know, okay. It's a blonde. But, yeah. But it's in that style category in, in a lot of categories and judging whatever it's kind of thrown in with those guys. It's right. One, one big lump category. Yeah. It is its own thing. Yeah. So uh, then you have this other, this, so that one's called the happy Jack. And then you have this black Jack which is a black cream ale. And I just had that. I've already finished mine, so I, I can't show it. But tell us about that one. That one's kind of a bit of a variant of the Happy yeah, Jack. Well, it's, our, it's our Happy Jack. And 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 uh, we ordered too many grain bills of Happy Jack. And so we, I had heard of this style. It, it originated in Canada. It's pretty obscure, but they, they make a black cream ale at, at some of the breweries in Canada. I, I thought, well, uh, Matt... I went to Matt, what can we do? And, and we put our heads together and Matt said, let's add some, some black malt to it. And, and uh, you know, I, one of us said, well, while we're at it, let's put it on nitro. And uh, it's nice. It, it drinks like Guinness. Uh, it's got a little more flavor than Guinness. Yeah, and it, 100%. It's a nice, easy drinking beer. Yeah, it's very good. Big fan. Which is one of the things we're trying to do is sort of have something for everybody here. We've yeah. got a lot of Belgians. Um, you know, we're seven barrels. So we kind of view our whole, we have some staples that we'll always have and keep making, but um, Matt's been around, I've been around. We're not afraid to just make a seven barrel batch of something out of the chute. And I love that. Give it a go. I love that. That kind of creativity uh, is one of the things I love about some of the smaller breweries that aren't afraid to do that, where some of the bigger ones find their, their money makers and kind of stick to those right. and then find themselves, you know, being creative in their pilot systems and some smaller systems, but that you guys are just full creativity all the time. Yeah, I this, love that. This is a beer menu that you're not going to see anywhere else. I no. Mean, with all the Belgians, the barley wines. and uh, there, You know, like I talked to a lot of homebrewers and whatever, but in the, the quirk about the brewing process is it's about an 8, 10, 12-hour process regardless if you're making five-gallon a batch in your carport, you're making a seven-barrel batch like we are, you're making a 60-barrel batch at some big brewery. It's all the same 10 to 12-hour process. So my my point of view is maybe I just made the best beer I've ever made in my life, and now I only have five gallons of it. So you might as well just go for as much as you can make of something totally. and see how it goes. You know, Totally. I love it. Um, um, I like it because uh, on, on your guys' website, something that I thought about when I was judging the beers, and I, I want to read what, what you guys have on their website, and Johan, you'll appreciate this, it says, our philosophy is to make excellent drinkable beers in a range of styles that each merit ordering another, or the ordering another thing is what I always come back to. I'm like, I could finish that, but would I want to get it again? And there are some beers that you might be judging and... Or you're at a bar and I'm like, no, that that's a one beer. And we've talked about that before. But why is that important to you guys? Because that's always been important to me. Uh, the ability uh, to drink a, a drinker, beer, right? finish yeah. it. And I want to I want to go back to the bar and get another one. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's a problem with a lot of beers that there are. Um, I'm not going to name any names, but some breweries, some beers are designed just to be a taster, a four ounce mm -hmm. taster. Mm hmm. And uh, you can maybe wow somebody with a four ounce taster, but is it cloying? Are you, are you, are you going to want to drink two pints of that beer or two 10 ounces of that, that beer? And for us, that's kind of our test of, of a drinkable 
beer. It's it's sort yeah. of, I don't know, Matt. What are your thoughts? Well, on? I mean, I mean, like the brewery education I got, it was all about balance. You know, it wasn't like oh, you got to have the most extreme hops or malt or alcohol percentage. It was about balance, and balance is kind of equates to drinkability. So, hundred percent. You know, if if you got a nice balance, oh, I've got some hoppiness, I've got some alcohol, I've got some nice roastiness or whatever. But it's not overwhelming me, hitting me on the head with a hammer. Oh, then I all right. I think I'll I'll have another one. And yeah. then uh, uh, finish is quite a has a lot to do with that. Is it dry on the finish or does it build up? Is too cloying, too sweet, too hoppy, whatever. Uh, and you know, from the nerd brewer perspective, that comes into like water profiles and other things. Right. You know, where it finishes on your palate and, and that sort of thing. So there, there should be like with all drinks, there should be a beginning and a middle and an end. And and no, don't get me wrong, there's some dessert beers like like our barley wines, 12 point something percent. Sure. I, you, I don't think you wanna have two of those, but <laughs> maybe, but if you're at home. But um, it should finish clean enough on the end so it's not cloying and it makes you wanna have another yeah. sip. Whereas if it finishes cloying on the end, uh, you're just gonna have one. Yeah, and and so to, to to our way of thinking, the drink is like a little story that should have a beginning, a middle, and the end. And the end should just want you to come back for the next chapter. Yeah, totally. you got to yeah. come back for the sequel. That's right. Yeah. Well, and kind of go to go back to what you were saying about like variety of styles. To me, coming to a brewery like this with that many different styles gets me excited about having, you know, three, four beers because each one of them is going to be different and I get to try a bunch of different styles. And I don't necessarily have to get a flight. I can have full dirt, full pours of a bunch of different things and have a little bit of an adventure. Whereas, you know, ordering four of the same beer can be awesome if you love the beer. But I like I like that kind of variety. So I love that. I mean, you guys have a West Coast IPA, you have stouts, you got the cream ales, you got a brown ale, you got an amber. And those are styles that not a lot of craft breweries are doing is the browns and the ambers. Like the, you don't you don't see that too much. Hardly ever. You got some good sours, which a lot of people don't like beer, but like sours. Then you got your Belgians. Like you guys got such a cool spread. Um, tell me a little bit about your sours. I know one of your other top sellers is your raspberry sour. That's one I have here. And I know that when right. you brew a sour... You know, you're introducing bacteria and things like that. Does do you have like a specific tank or system that you use for that, or do you have to go through and sanitize? I've heard that that's a bit of a, uh, a process, like a sour dedicated tank. Uh, like mo most sours you'll find at American craft craft beer bars are kettle sours. It means you you do your mash, and normally right after your mash, you would boil the beer, and the whole point of boiling is you kill off the bacteria that's active in the mash at the time. Uh, but kettle sour, you just let that sit and let it sour and you can actually accelerate that souring process by adding in some different ingredients, basically lactobacillus, same bacteria in sour cream and any, any other vinegar, Yogurt, any other yeah. kind of sour food product you might have is active in there and it'll do its job over three, four or five days. Uh, now you've got a nice sour beer. But obviously that bacteria is active. But then now it's in your kettle. You boil it. You've killed off all that bacteria. So now once you've done that boil, it's just like a standard beer. You run in your fermenter. You add your yeast. Finish fermenting everything else. But all so the, it doesn't all, contaminate. So the all the system. bacteria is dead if right. you've done it right. So yeah. So downstream you don't have to worry about anything funky. Um, 
there's a lot of uh, people that will sour in barrels and other things, and that can get kind of out of control if you, you know, yeah, sure, kind of go. There's different, there's different types of sours. And actually, you know, the, the, the sour beer sort of dates back to there was a lazy brewer and, and lactobacillus just naturally hangs out on grains. And so if you just leave a kettle, a, a mash ton go, it'll just sour up on its own if you, if you let it go three days. And so what probably happened is some brewer was mashing, probably drank too much, fell asleep. You know, it was a Friday, came back on Monday and just said, oh, heck, and just finished mashing out and making it. And it wound up being sour without any adding anything to right. it. And uh, it became a style. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's like and that was Berliner Weiss, that style, which we yeah. have one of those as well. Yeah. But um, so that's sort of probably how it originated. There's other sours that are open uh, ferment brewed. You can get real geeky about all that stuff i like yeah. those happy mistakes you guys ever like stumble on to a some like a beer or a favorite recipe just by mistake at all do you want to take it up to you? <laughs> no they have one you know, <laughs> they have one for sure a couple but no, which one take... that we drank just now <laughs> this is the next no, no we, we well we have it we have a gosa on our board it's called salty senora and yeah. a gosa is technically a little bit of sour a little bit of of, of salt to kind of like mess with your palate a little bit uh we oversalted it and then we're like, all right, well, this is bad. How do we fix this? And you can't really take salt out of a beer. Um, but we figured out by throwing enough, well, several different experiments, uh, lime, juice, mint, other things, we kind of tempered it enough. And we then, diluted uh, it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, so then by the end, we put it on tap like, hey, what the heck? You know, it's some, sort of like a margarita mojito. And uh, let's see how it goes. And then it's actually like, yeah, and then... Because any beer you do, whether you think it's the best beer you ever made or the worst beer, it's really your your customers and your drinkers that decide for you. Totally. And we've had a, a really overwhelming positive response on yeah, it. Yeah, so it's, it's awesome. not my favorite yeah. beer, okay? And, and we put it out there, and I just thought, okay, well, this is better than a drain pour. <laughs> but actually, people come and get growlers of it, so that was kind of a surprise. And, and, if, awesome. we, and if we had done that beer too style, <laughs> if we got the GOSA guidelines out and did it too style be fairly everyone would go oh, okay that's all right that's good that's fine but like it wouldn't have that yeah the punch that the one we did well yeah. i mean it, it, it was good enough to earn a name you know yeah. i mean some of those mistakes get just called like experimental beer one or experimental beer 99 and, something yeah. like and, that and, and i've also told john over over <laughs> the years like you know no one really has to know what went on behind the scenes right no, never so here you are just talking well now they do <laughs> but it, actually our first sour that we made it was a new system in our our uh, our chiller went out, so we couldn't get the beer cold, and we had moved it over into the boil kettle, and we had no way of knocking out and pitching yeast. So I said to Matt, I go, Matt, we're just gonna chuck some lactobacillus in and make a sour, and and so that was our first sour was uh, actually an equipment malfunction. That's funny. And now we're kind of known for our sours, so I love that. We, we're regularly making sours. We we think it's an underserved um, niche. Yeah. yeah. So we're we're trying to do some niche stuff here with the Belgians. And totally. Not just do the same old, same old. Which is a really great segue to the beer that I've been looking forward to ah. this whole time, and that's your Bourbon Barrel Cherry Dubel. 
So if you, I don't know, do you guys want to? Yeah, do you guys want to crack into this thing? So this is a so bourbon barrel aged uh, Belgian Dubel with cherries, and you you said it was aged in Woodford. Yeah, we got a hold of two Woodford uh, private reserve barrels, luckily. So this side in those barrels for about eight or nine months, we would just keep tasting it, tasting it, and then one day we said. Oh, that's pretty good. So, uh, I love that. I'm so excited to try that. Is this your so kind of, is this your style that, um, kind of style beer or not? I, I do love a good bourbon barrel aged anything. Um, you know, sometimes with barrel aged beers, you don't get a lot of the whiskey off if it's like hasn't said there. You know, some of that stuff from like Phoenix Beer Co. It's intentional though, like just to get the like the oakiness into it, but not necessarily like the strong boozy flavor. Right. I like both, honestly. Um, well, and you're you know, a bourbon I'm, I'm a guy too, right? Yeah. So like, if it's boozy, I'm I'm a big fan of it. If it's not, I mean, I I still appreciate it. Try, give it a try. This one's got a nice balance between the the cherries, the oak, and the bourbon. Um, and this uh, one won. You get, uh, all, you get all three of those. Yeah, you guys won an award for this last we, year at the Denver got a competition. Gold for this uh, at the Denver International yeah. Competition, we haven't entered. We're in your competition. I think we put some beers in, but but uh, you know, yeah. like the the oak in any beer is kind of a mellowing a mellowing uh, thing, right? So whatever intense flavors you have, it mellows them, blends them all together, just like whiskey and whatever else. So yeah. So um, it's surprising. Like the the mouth feels very light. Like it's got a very light body. And that's and I like that a lot. That's the bottle conditioning. So that's okay. something we do. Um, we just had AJ's come in and try some of our bottles, and and uh, they like two of our beers for AJ's, and we have to fill out the packet and show them our insurance policy and go through the process. Sure. Perhaps in. It, it's looking about three months or so. We, we so should, AJ's we Fine should, Foods, we should right? Get into yeah. AJ's at, awesome. At, at that juncture, and it's not. We're not there yet. We're still going through the process with them. But uh, do you guys do distribution? We're going to self-distribute to AJ's. And yeah, that, that'll be the one place uh, we'll be in, and that's going to be our baby step into uh, bottling. Right now. We roll kegs around within a mile of us. Yeah, to, yeah to I saw some of your stuff has been on it. What, yeah. Angel's yeah, Trumpet. We, we, yeah, mm. we've kind of got like, I guess, more or less a self-imposed like five-mile radius or whatever because we have to deliver the kegs, pick up the empties, et cetera. For whatever reason, I just pictured you literally rolling a keg down yeah, Grand uh, Avenue. <laughs> yeah, you can't go that far with a big old keg on your back. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's got, yeah, so that's the bottle conditioning, um, but yeah ton of oaky just it's very smooth and mellow it's there's not it's not boozy at all it's just very no, I, I, to malty that point, and I, mellow and just delicious this, I, have some, I, have I have a bunch of friends who aren't into the boozy kind of beers that i enjoy but this one they would love because of the fruit that comes forward on yeah. it and there's a little bit of hint on maybe the back of the of the mouth of that boozy it's it's about so, nine eight point nine yeah. percent is what the abv is yeah. at and uh there's about, I don't know, what, 80, 88 pounds of uh, uh, Montmorency cherry puree in this beer. And this this is a beer I started brewing every Christmas. And um, this is this is the first time that we had done it full scale. We ever did it on the big system mm -hmm. and uh, put it in bourbon barrels to boot on that. And... Uh, it, we think it's really lovely. You know, yeah, it turned out it'll absolutely. be something that'll be seasonal. We'll make it again. 
And yeah, so absolutely. fingers crossed by the new year, you guys are being a grocery store and in AJ's hopefully fingers crossed. It's right? looking like that. Yeah. Awesome. We're, we're getting our bottling production set up and, uh, and this will yeah. be, if, if it, does happen this will be one of them no okay so it'll be initially it's looking like our uh, raspberry sour mm -hmm. and our happy jack will be the two beers very and, cool uh yeah so well but, i might i might need to pick a bottle of this up yeah. and save it for because this is the kind of beer i like to have with christmas yeah. dinner the the one bonus like you know we've gone a little bit old school retro doing bottle condition beers instead of the 16 ounce cans and whatnot but the bonus to it is it gets better over time so yeah yeah, these that, can save, right? Yeah. yeah. So that beer's been bottled for over a year, but it gets better month by month. Mm. And uh, love and, that. And, as well and as that's, that's one of the things with fruit beers is uh, when I started home brewing this, uh, it took about seven months. There were so many cherries in that for that beer to mature and taste right. And uh, on the big scale, uh, it's closer. It's 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 almost half that. In about yeah. five months, it 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 start tasting right but some of the very heavy fruited beers they need to get some age on them they're almost like a wine uh in their quality and uh so you know in 210 gallons of beer we we put about 88 pounds of very tart cherries in this beer and honestly the cherry is not it's it's balanced right like it's it's not like this it's not too subtle it's not overwhelming it's just that like perfect and the way it, it interacts with the bourbon and the the dubel the those belgian you know malts and everything it's just it's this is yeah, very still, this is a great get, beer you still get beer on it it's not like it's yeah. cherry kool-aid or anything it's, just, it's, no, it's exactly. very much beer yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah yeah it's very good well congrats it's starting to hit me by the cheers. way cheers yeah i love it <laughs> cheers uh no that's and that's one of the things with all of our beers is we try to find a balance yeah um uh, so that again there's a beginning and a middle and an end totally. to it. There's a little bit of a flavor ride that has a nice finish. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So you guys are going to be part of the uh, beer festival in October. We're very excited to have you be a part of that. Uh, have you done a lot of beer festivals before? In the past, <laughs> yes. Yeah? So we were I mean, Like before COVID, I, you know, I'd done, I don't know, countless getting into a hundred some festivals. And then like, all right, another festival. Got to pack up all the gear, do the festival. But then once we didn't have festivals for a year or so... It's like, oh, now I, I'm craving festivals. <laughs> right. So, you know, this year has been a good to kind of reboot and get some get some new festivals going and restart the old ones and, yeah. and get back to it. We're looking well, forward to your festival, yeah. too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Will this be it, – but it won't be Grand Avenue's first beer no, festival, we, right? No, we've done, you know, Strong Beer and, okay. uh, and Wild and Woody and whatnot this yeah. year so far. And, awesome. and actually a couple of before the shutdown and everything. Okay. Cool. Well, we're excited to have you. Yeah, real wild and woody. It's kind of like in your ballpark with cast condition. That's why we, ales yeah, we had to go. Yeah. We had to represent. We took some bottles to real wild. Yeah, yeah. 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 We got excited about that because yeah. everybody else cast was doing cast and bottles yeah. and draft. And we we had this there. That's awesome. So went over quite well. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I, man, these 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 beers are fantastic. You're gonna really get are. you're gonna get pours of them at uh, the beer fest. I had um, a couple things that I wanted to ask before we wrap this up couple things from Google. People Google Grand Avenue Beer Company. The first thing that comes up is, does Grand Avenue Brewing serve drinks? And I think we answered that today, right? I think we did. Yeah. So fantastic several. drinks. The other one is, what is the ambiance like here? How would you describe the ambiance of Grand Avenue Brewing? Yeah, well, I mean, we it, it's, I would call it industrial warm. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's got a really warm vibe. Oh. And uh, 
it you know this place was a sheet metal shop and so i've just tried to uh keep the bones of this building yeah keep keep the integrity of it and uh no everybody who comes in um loves the art on the walls um you know on the wall of oh i i wanted to get to on the wall is um a lot of the uh, adaptive reuse buildings on Grand Avenue, and I wanted to talk about the street a little bit. Sure. This place has really revitalized over the last couple of years, um, hasn't it? You know what? It really has. There's a lot of great businesses up and down the street. I'm going to forget somebody, but um, just immediately to the north of us is uh, Bacchanara, which got nominated for a James Beard Award. Uh, Testall, which got you know in the top ten best new restaurants in Phoenix and in, in uh, AZ Central. There's Cha-Cha, Cha-Cha's Tea Lounge, Trans Jam Cafe. Um, yeah, I think Char- Bacanora. Like Charo Hipster. That is a place that, like, reservations are insane. It's it's hard to get a table at yeah. Bacanora. It's, well, it's a hot place. You were just place. telling it's, us that if when people have to wait for a table, they can just walk over here and grab oh, a beer. A, it's, get a beer. it's a thing. So, yeah, it's like sometimes it's a 45-minute wait. De facto there. tap room. The, or waiting the, room. The Bacanora waiting room, yeah. People... Uh, come here have a beer they see our menu um we refer people to uh, a lot of times people will ask us for dessert um you know in the winter time we've got two fire pits we'll do a s'mores kit but we'll send people to uh novel ice cream down the street for an ice cream filled donut it's like a little community on grand avenue and it really does you were mentioning it has kind of a small town vibe but it's it's downtown phoenix as yeah far as I'm i love that yeah yeah when i was driving here uh today i was just driving down the road and just thinking like wow this almost feels like a like a downtown gilbert or like one of these like little downtown like small town downtowns you know where the suburb downtowns but downtown phoenix is three blocks that way so it's like right in the center of all you can ride your bike here from right downtown i love Um, that we get people flying in from out of town who who walk here Mm -hmm. that's awesome um so it it, the streets really come along. Having been here 17 years, I, I can tell you that um, it maybe took a little longer than I had hoped, but I, I feel like it's arrived. The uh, the Egyptian Hotel is about to open, and they're going to have music uh, seven days a week at their uh, at their venue. They're right down the street. And you guys do music here too, right? Um, yeah, I have. We have some artists who play originals, and and so maybe once a week. Uh, uh, We'll have a different artist here now and then. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's awesome. sporadic, but uh, we try to do that. Well, to go off the ambiance thing, I, it definitely feels like you said kind of industrial, but warm. Like it, the, the, it's not, it doesn't feel industrial can feel so cold sometimes oh, yeah, where everything not, is metal and steel. Like you got some, you know, the bar is, be- is this beautiful wood. Everything feels very inviting and yeah. warm the only thing still, like you beer. almost feel like you're in a really nice garage <laughs> that's a good way to put it yeah we, it, was, yeah, it was one of our first uh first reviews back in the day is like it feels like hanging out in your buddy's garage garage if you had a whole bunch of beer and some i love that <laughs> that's i mean that's the kind of place i'd hang out at we um <laughs> we built a lot of the stuff here uh like all all those high top tables my um uh, dad designed those and oh, and, awesome. and uh he uh he built this bar, you know, he and I got together and, and um, talked about using leftover shipping container parts for the bar. Uh, 
our brew deck in the back that Matt stands on when he brews. Um, my dad designed that and we had a buddy weld that up for us. So like all this stuff uh, is pretty well thought out. We've built it over time. It's a, it, you can tell it's a true passion project for all of you. Yeah. And the, the art in here, like what's in front of us here for sale from local artists and stuff like that. So right? this plant is from uh, my buddy, Greg Hawk at Hawk Salvage. Mm -hmm. He's got a curiosity shop. And, and so I, uh, we let him sell some of his stuff here. I don't make any money on it, sure. but he brings in plants. And uh, so the scenery changes. Um, the artists on the walls, uh, a lot of it, they're my friends. And uh, so um, all the built, the pictures of the buildings on Grand, those are for sale. Um, that's not really what we do. No, but you it's know, a it's, it's a venue it's, to allow that because I think a lot of artists kind of struggle getting it, their stuff it changes out and up. about, so, right? Yeah. So yeah, the the place is kind of always evolving and uh you know, if you come here often enough, you'll see new things. Sure. Yeah. To to me that's that's that shows that this is a celebration of this community of this area of grand avenue of yeah, downtown true Phoenix. neighborhood so, yeah it really yeah. feels like a good neighborhood hang so that's that's i think that's that's the coolest part it, about that it for is sure. pretty much everybody up and down the street love that it knows each other um and uh it, it's a great little community it's it's more organic and more mom and pop yeah and less you know um commercial Sort of like the Melrose District up up uptown. Yeah, I don't kind disagree with that. That's similar, a little bit funky. Yeah, you know? yeah. But it's it's coming into its own. It's really um, come a long way. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, for everyone watching, make sure you come down to Grand Avenue Brewing Company and check it out. Uh, they'll be at the beer festival October twenty second out at uh, Heritage at Sportsman's Park in Glendale. Um, so that's the grand lawn of the Cardinal Stadium. Yeah, we'll just rename it. Really it's great. a great lawn, yeah. but we can we can rename it the Grand Avlon. Yeah, sure. there you go. Yeah. Did I say Grand Avlon? <laughs> yeah, you said the Grand Lawn. I don't know. I kind of like that Phoenix Magazine lawn. That's right. Yeah, grand, grand something is good like in that. front of anything. Yeah, grand. Yeah, it's this it's yeah. this barrel aged uh, Duvel that <laughs> has me mixing my words up. Uh, but yeah, check out azcraftbeer.com and make sure you come visit these guys at Grand Avenue Yeah, Beer. John and Matt. Hey, Matt's are taking over the podcast now, Johan. We're, we're on a mission to interview every Matt in the in the area. So yeah, the, there's when there's finally another Johan in town, we're going to have to invite him on the... Uh, there's there's no other uh, way no. to... Yeah, we no. have to have that. So. It's a high, high bar to... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, thank you guys. Really, <laughs> thank, thank you. Guys. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah, and we'll see you uh, in October.